Hey, everybody, real quick, before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about another awesome podcast and probably a unique podcast. You don't probably have nothing like it in your feed. Maybe you do. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. This is a podcast called Burning Daylight. It's hosted by a friend of the show, Matt McKinley. It's about liberty. It's about cowboy shit. It's about inappropriate jokes, which I could say the kind of joke, but today's episode of Finding Freedom, you know, I want to keep the explicit label off of it. So I, I'll let you, let you imagine what kind of jokes I'm talking about, but it's, it's entertainment and it's a podcast for the working cowboy and for those who want to know more about what it's like to be a cowboy. And quite honestly, who in their right mind does not want to know more about what it's like to be a cowboy? I know I do. Check this podcast out, Burning Daylight. You will not regret it. We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. All right, yeah, we are we are live now, live here with Nicholas Wildstar, and uh, streaming live in the Lions of Liberty Pride. So, our uh, on the public feed, you're hearing this uh, on a Thursday. If you were in our, if you're one of our Patreon supporters in our Pride, you could have caught this on Tuesday afternoon. So, for those of you who don't know Nicholas, aren't familiar with him, or familiar. You know, more importantly, with with what's going on with him right now, um, Nick. Uh, I guess can you start off just by sort of uh, introducing yourself and uh, talking about, I, I guess, uh, giving your your Liberty Street cred. What's uh, w- w- what are some of the things that you're uh, that you're known for? Sure, I've been a com- a very committed activist in the Liberty movement for over a decade now. I mean, I've been involved as a um, Occupy Wall Street protester here in California when we had the Occupy protests um, and uh, was an anonymous protester out there, you know, bringing attention to media censorship and corruption in government and abuses of authority by law law enforcement officers, etc. So I've been kind of banging in on the drums doing that, but um, my political activism stemmed from the 2012 presidential uh, campaign of Dr. Ron Paul when he ran for president, because I didn't know who he was. And <laughs> I voted for Barack Obama in 2008. And that was my last time ever voting Democrat because, you know, he just sold out we the people. He said he wanted to get Wall Street out of politics. And then, you know, he bailed out the banks. Goldman Sachs gave him money. So. Um, I was done with the Democratic Party, started searching for different options and stumbled upon libertarianism and Dr. Ron Paul and uh, got very involved in his 2012 campaign and chose to get involved in politics myself. I heard him encourage for people that were listening to him speak to say, hey, if you want to get involved in politics, uh, politics, you want to change things, get involved on the local level. So that's exactly what I did. And um set my sights on the top spot i mean when it boils down to all of the issues here in the state of california whether it's homelessness or poverty or those abuses of authority mm-hmm. by police officers it ro- um you know rolls down to the shoulders of the governor so i ran in 2014 as an independent candidate um as a writing candidate got a few votes and um, ran again in 2018 when I was endorsed by the Libertarian Party of California. So in that election, I got about 12,000 votes and um, I'm running again in 2022. But since we now have initiated a recall of our governor, there's going to be a recall election here before the end of the year. So I'll be running in that election as a Republican candidate, although I am promoting a Libertarian platform. So I'm taking a Ron Paul route, you know, <laughs> uh, promoting libertarianism, though running as a Republican, using a larger stage to, you know, get out the message of, um, you know, minimize government and um, less taxes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that good stuff. 
I mean, there's there's lots of ways to get the message of liberty out. So Republican, libertarian. I haven't seen too many or really any at all take the, the Democrat ticket route, but I mean, some, somebody yeah. could. <laughs> well, what, what makes us li- as libertarians, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, not want to go uh, Democrat is being pro-gun and being, of course, anti-taxation. So the majority of Democratic uh proposals for social welfare programs, whether it be free education or, you know, free health care, we know nothing is free. It's going to cost taxpayers, period. So if you are standing on the principle of libertarianism and uh, people's property being their own, you know, uh, that's that includes their money. So you can't be taking other people's money, like my shirt says, taxation is theft, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) through threat of coercion um and uh, uh or through threat of violence really yeah you, you'll have to do it in a in a sneaky way i mean lead lead with uh, an anti-war message with a uh free speech right. message and then uh just kind of put in the small prints on your website that technically <laughs> and- possibly that may work <laughs> but uh, i'm I stand on the principle also that you must be honest. You yeah, know, well, if you want to serve as a representative, you definitely want to be upfront with your intentions. You know, we've had enough with crooked politicians yeah. and two faced. Uh, yeah, let's let's try something new. An honest politician. I like it. So. Exactly. So you've made yourself uh, yourself known in uh, California political circles, I, I would assume, by, by being uh, out front and being very outspoken about what you believe in. Indeed. And what's happened to you recently, you know, I, I can't help but wonder if there's if there's something to that, if you, if you have a target painted on your back because of that. But if, if you could just kind of take people through exactly what happened. I know that you've, I mean, you've been, conv- I guess, convicted um, of six charges of contempt of court for recording what a a traffic hearing is is that what it was yes uh in september of 2018 i had two traffic cases that i appeared on behalf of in court and um when i did so i recorded it using my cell phone so um when i spoke to the judge i was standing at the podium you know holding my cell phone the entire time and the judges in both cases dismissed the traffic uh, cases. So uh, they. What was your reasoning for uh, recording it? Just, just to for right to just have the record of it, or absolutely, and of course to make sure that they're upholding the law. I mean, that's their job, and they swear on the on uh, upholding the United States Constitution. They take that oath, but rarely do we often see them follow through uh, through on that. And that's exactly what I was doing was mainly because of that. I've had tons of instances before. If you look on my YouTube channel, that's what happened is I have a popular YouTube channel with nearly 30,000 subscribers and over 6 million views because I've had videos go viral over recording my interactions with police officers. I ran into a few First Amendment auditors here in the state of California that were recording, um, you know, traffic stops and uh, DUI checkpoints and that sort of thing. And they also record police officers when you get pulled over. And um, I started doing that myself, record everything and putting those videos on my YouTube channel. So I gained a lot of attention in Orange County for doing that since the majority of my stops came from that. And I I know for sure they knew who I was because of that. but when this traffic case happened, um, I again was just recording simply to make sure the integrity of the court stays intact. Not to mention I have the constitutional right to do so. And I was being told by the bailiff really to stop recording. And then the judge chimed in and that's exactly what I was letting them know. Uh, the right to freedom of press is Uh, protected by the First Amendment. The Sixth Amendment says we have a right to a free and public trial. Mm -hmm. So, um, and of course, the Ninth Amendment. Um, So, and California law also gives us the right to record here under PC 148G. So, I'm telling these guys pretty much that, hey, I'm exercising my right 
to record you guys in your line of duty. And um, I was thrown out of the courtroom. <laughs> so this happened twice uh, in September. And I put those videos on YouTube. And one of them ended up going viral to where uh, I guess it caught the attention of the district attorney's office and they filed contempt of court charges against me mm-hmm. almost a year later. So um, just about when they were about to expire on the statute of limitations, you know, the DA filed charges for contempt of court. And I'm out driving with my family, got pulled over for driving while black, have this on video also and got arrested for these warrants that I had out on me that I was. So you had no, absolutely no idea. No, not at all. Uh, So it was a shock to me. Thankfully, the cops spit me back out a few hours later, 12 hours to be exact. Um, And I had a court date in December to where I appeared in court again. This time I wasn't openly recording using my cell phone. I was wearing spy glasses and the, uh, uh, bailiff was harassing me. Other officers in the court were harassing me about, am I recording? And, um, uh, I pretty much was able to speak with the judge, but I was arrested right then and there for contempt of court simply because of, I was arguing against the judge about, you know, jurisdiction. And when you go to court, you're asked to enter in a guilty plea. And that's a violation of your fifth amendment. You don't, you have the right to, you know, remain silent and not incriminate yourself. So an arraignment is essentially a, a go around to a jury trial, which you have the lawful right to. So uh, it's a waste of my time. The prosecutor was there. I'm like, hey, let's get this over with. You know what I'm saying? Um, but they wanted to push it off to a jury trial. And um, if you listen to the language that I'm using in that video, that's really what was the problem, because during my trial, the prosecutor made it a point to talk about how I was just dragging out court procedures and causing such a disturbance with my recording. But those videos were maybe five minutes each. The last one where it was a secret video and they didn't have a clue that I was recording was almost 50 minutes mm-hmm. uh, before I was arrested and taken into custody. So it's, so, so the the last one when you when you were wearing the spy glasses, mm-hmm. th- they had no idea that you were recording the entire no, time. No, uh, so, I was even able to capture my um, booking into jail and me being put into a jail cell. So it captures that entire you know mm-hmm. transaction. Wow. So the six charges. How does how does that work? Because you're talking about three different times. Yes. So it's three different court appearances. They charged me with two different violations um, for each court appearance, totaling six charges. So it's really violating a court order, which is the judge telling me not to record and violating a court rule, which is um, California rule 1.150, which says that you're unable to, you basically got to ask permission of the court in order to record. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if again, we have constitutional rights that supersede these rules, rules aren't laws. You know, I, I can have a rule that says, don't let your dog shit on my lawn, you know, <laughs> but it, it's not a law. If somebody does it, you know, they're not committing a crime. They just mm-hmm. broke a rule that I may have. And that's exactly what happens in our courtroom is they have court rules that are not laws. And the law says I have the right to record with PC 148 G. Um, but they didn't want to hear that at all. They only wanted to focus on that. The judge that I wasn't doing what the judge was telling me to do. And that's how they promoted the case to the jury to basically say that, you know, we are the law. We're going to tell you what the law is. And when we say do something, you do it. And this is the impression that is being put into Americans heads uh, is this obedience to the state and authoritarianism to where if they say jump, you got to jump. Don't even say how high. Just jump. Okay. Um, so, uh when when the trial was going on, um, of course, did you have a did you have a lawyer or were you defending yourself? No, I had an attorney. 
I was able to afford a, a private attorney um, instead of a public defender, mm-hmm. which I've had a bad experience with. So I chose to spend a little money on my own, um, saved money out of my own pocket. And of course, money that I used to provide for my family to buy representation um, on this silly ass case, man. But <clears throat> the attorney basically did not argue any case law. It wasn't even allowed in the case because the judge kept saying this has nothing to do with constitutional rights. Uh, this has nothing to do with freedom of speech. Uh, and, uh, and this was the language being used. And again, the influence on the jury is basically that whatever the judge says goes. And um, that is definitely jury tampering because they're preventing evidence from being you know, presented in court. And with this PC-148G, when I was on the stand, um, I actually got to say it in its totality. It's strange because the judge didn't object to it then and neither did the prosecutor. But when my attorney went to uh, state this again during her closing statement about how I wasn't breaking the law because the law actually says I have the right to record, she was objected to by the uh, DA and the judge sustained that. So they completely suppressed the presentation of this information and again was basically telling them this had nothing to do with the Constitution. That's that's crazy. So when you know you're you're at the trial, it goes to the jury, the jury's going to decide how long did they take to deliberate? Um about s- Four hours. Yeah, Yeah. I would say because things wrapped up maybe early afternoon, uh, early afternoon, 11 o'clock with the case itself that Friday. And, um, you know, court closes at 430. They came in around four with their decision. So it's awful that they were so quick to deliberate on my guilt. Beside all of the facts that were presented in the case and besides, of course, the obvious fact that, you know, um, you basically have some abuse of authority by judicial officials who wanted to make an example out of me by saying you must do what we say, uh, even if you do have the lawful right to exercise that right. Um, So. Uh, I was found guilty on all six charges unanimously, not one juror objected. And this is in Orange County where it's predominantly white. The black population is less than 2%. Um, There's millions of people that live there. Uh, I believe about four or five million people. Mm -hmm. So um, none of the jurors, of course, look like me. and probably had this impression of me as soon as they came in the courtroom that I was guilty just based on how I look and the fact that I'm in court, I'm on this side of the table, um, I must have done something wrong. And if that's people's interpretation and they're already biased and unfortunately that didn't, uh, that worked against me in this case. So when the jury came back, were you, after it only took them a few hours, were, were you expecting to be found guilty or were you surprised by by the outcome after after the trial and everything? I was very surprised. Mm-hmm. I actually was very hopeful that they would have, you know, seen everything and basically saw that I was acting within my rights. I mean, um, the prosecutor tried to make it seem like I was some belligerent guy acting crazy in court yelling, screaming, um, obscenities, which is not the case. You watch the videos, I was smiling, I was extremely respectful, and I was passionate in what I was saying to the um, judicial officials, which is basically I have, I'm going to stand on my right to exercise, uh, you know, the right to record you guys. And um, it's sad that again, that they quickly convicted me. I was told that usually when a jury deliberates so quickly, that means they're going to go in your favor. And I mean, um, even just hearing a witness testimony from the prosecutor, the police officers that were up there, the first officer, they presented a picture that he took using his cell phone. 
So he got to break the rules, <laughs> you know, the same rules, just to supposedly collect evidence of a crime that's being committed. But there was no crime. In order for there to be a crime, there has to be a victim. No victim, no crime. Um, and, and no victim, no crime, no need to do the time. And in this case, there is no victim other than the court and uh, the, this judicial official saying, um, you know, basically didn't and that I didn't abide by his order, his demands. And <clears throat> um, they're obviously breaking their own rules. Um, and uh, with the with the level of corruption that was just blatant and blatant, blatantly displayed during my trial, I just thought they would have seen through that. So uh, it was extremely heartbreaking. And then now having to basically sit on pins and needles until my sentencing day, which is Friday, March 12th. So I got another week or so, um, you know, before I end up finding out my fate and, the maximum penalty is about a year each per charge. So if they decide to push for the maximum penalty, which is six years, then um, it's a possibility I would be faced with that outcome. And uh, the district attorney's office definitely doesn't like me. They're following me uh, in every way, shape or form. I actually just got contacted by my attorney because they were they saw a tweet that I put out. Well, that was a picture of the jury. I mean, you know, the, the courtroom. I'm in the picture, so I didn't take the picture, you know. <laughs> but uh, they didn't like the fact that this picture was now tweeted. Now, nothing's wrong with it. A court mm -hmm. case is public. They even broadcasted it live on YouTube, my own damn trial. So they put me on trial for recording in court while they're recording it. Um, so That's crazy. Yeah. And before this whole COVID crisis, I've been on trial before and I've had juries, uh, you know, jury trials. And I've had I've packed the court with other people of the public that were sitting there and, you know, were able to see everything going on. So nothing that happens in our courtrooms should be private. That should be an extreme red flag to every American that something's going on here, because what happens in our courtroom is supposed to determine, um, you know, the laws in our country. And if there's being obstruction of law happening in our same courtrooms, them abusing their authority, them acting under the color of law to go around and circumvent our freedoms, then uh, we have no more checks and balances. That's the last straw for us. I, we can't go to the courts. I mean, look at what happened with Donald Trump. I mean, it boiled down to uh, this impeachment hearing. And if we can't rely on our judicial process, uh, our criminal justice system, then what do we have? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if there's or if your lawyer is familiar with any precedent for anything similar that's happened in, uh, I guess it would have to be in California. No, uh, are, are you expect? I mean, are you expecting? What are you expecting to be sentenced with? Do you have an expectation, or you're kind of just going in? Just you don't know what what to expect. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, like I said, I mean, at this point, I don't put it past them that they will do their best to make an example out of me, and um, you know, they're they're accustomed to exercising draconian measures, you know. And um, what I'm doing is basically asking everyone out there to put pressure on the judge, on the district attorney, to have them be lenient, to have them, you know, uh, drop the charges pretty much because the judge can vacate the jury's decision. The judge can overrule sentencing. So there's tons of things that can be done here um, at the judge's discretion, as well as the prosecutor. Um, so everybody out there is being asked to write or call uh these officials these law enforcement officials i'm also coordinating a rally to protest my sentencing friday march 12th so i'm asking anybody that wants to stand up and fight against um you know corruption in government and um for criminal justice reform especially 
to stand with me on Friday, March 12th. Come on out and let's make some noise um, outside of the courthouse before I go in in there. Uh, and my wife right now, she put together a GoFundMe because I am planning on filing an appeal. And uh, I would love to take this as high as it needs to go in order to be vindicated. So if it, if I got to take this all the way to the Supreme Court of California or higher, I'll do so. But I would love to have legal representation, which is going to cost, of course. So I have a GoFundMe right now to um, fundraise, uh, you know, money so I can take care of that. And um, yeah, it's it's awful that it's up to us to kind of make us think about it in order for things to turn around and for us to get justice when it's just an abuse of authority. I mean, even the judge that's overseeing my case, he over, he actually dismissed a case against some white citizen journalists in um, Fullerton that had recorded some protests over the murder of um, Kelly Thomas, a white man that was killed by police in Fullerton. So, they recorded some protests. The OCDA pushed prosecution against them. And uh, the judge that oversaw my case dismissed theirs. Why is he not dismissing mine? Um, so we have to fight for this. Right. And um, it's obvious at this point that they're prejudiced, they're biased in their action towards me whether it be me being a black man, whether it be me running as a political candidate, whether it be me being a loud mouth, you know, <laughs> uh, whatever the case may be, a rebel, uh, they're doing their best to, again, make an example out of me. So it's up to we, the people, to make us think about it, make some noise, bring some attention to what's going on, share what's going on with my story at hashtag free Wildstar. I got all the videos on my website. Uh, governorwildstar.com backslash free wild star. So check it out and uh, please just spread the word about what's going on. So my next question is, it's probably a tough one to even, even think about, but you know, on, on my podcast, I do interview a lot of people who have, who have been to prison and have you know been through the system and talk about how hard it is on, on their family. And it's not only, you know, the, the individual who's doing the time, who's really a victim. Actually, it's the families that are the victims that are created by the system. So I'm, I'm just curious to get your perspective on, you know, some of the things that maybe you're preparing to do, preparing for a worst case scenario with, with your family. Like what I know you have, you have a wife, you have a, you have a kid. What, what kinds of things are you, are, are you trying to put in place right now? Or, I mean, what, what can you do? Exactly. I'm not able to do much. I mean, that's the reality my wife and I are facing, and it's been difficult for us. I mean, um, she's been emotional about it more than I have and, you know, have shed tears. And uh, I'm just doing my best to be as strong as possible, a strong man to stand, you know, firm for my family. So, um it's sad because as a woman, she doesn't want to have to raise her son on her own. That's never a possibility that she wanted to face as a wife, as a mother. And now she's having to uh, consider that possibility simply because of this corrupt system, you know, um, doing what they do, ab abusing our family. So it's definitely taking a uh, uh, um, a, a large effect on also my relationship with my son. I mean, I have a 17 month old baby uh, who's growing up very quickly. He's just starting to talk and, uh, you know, I want to continue teaching him. And, uh, you know, right now, especially with this whole coronavirus, coronavirus crisis, is putting a strain on every family. So we should be doing everything to keep families together as much as possible. And um, you would think with such frivolous offenses that our judicial system would just throw it out the window, but uh, something's going on here. So if in the event that I am taken into custody, you know, uh, I mean, hopefully that's not going to be the case, but if I am, 
Uh, if it ends up being a short amount of time, then hopefully I'll get out quickly and we'll be able to continue my campaign for governor. But if I'm held in there longer to where I won't be able to continue on the campaign trail and would be actively out there meeting and greeting people and doing what I need to do as a candidate, then I will need to suspend my campaign. Yeah, I mean, the thing that just, not only in your case, but in so many cases that just like just rips in my heart is you see an obvious instance of there's no victim, nobody's hurt by anything you did. And for them to even, you know, potentially be talking about, you know, putting you in prison for that, taking you away from your your wife and your, you know, your young son, it, just, it makes me so angry. And I don't understand how a judge... A DA, how, how do they sleep at night? Like, um, how can they how can they go home and look at their own family? How can they sit around, you know, uh, you know the, the, the at Christmas, sit around the table and talk to their kids and grandkids when they're when they're doing shit like this? It just yeah. it enrages me, man. And what's well, even more insulting is this is all was all happening during Black History Month, and you have the OC District Attorney Todd Spitzer putting out you know, tweets about how the criminal justice system needs to be reformed and how he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that it's not, um, you know, racially biased. But look at exactly what's happening. You know, while they're clearing out the jails here in California of murderers and rapists and thieves, they're trying to put um, you know, political activists in jail, uh, political candidates such as myself. You know, why is that? Uh, and it, it's awful that they go around touting about how they're defending the Constitution, defending law, defending our freedoms and our liberties, when really they're the ones abusing them. They're the ones violating them. And we have no control over that. We literally have our hands tied when they put them in cuffs and they drag us off to jail. And what can we do about it? So they're using force to get their way and to make us feel like we're still property when that should be antithetical to the values of this country, seeing as it has a history of enslaving other people. That's still happening to this day. Black men are still being drug away from their families for no reason at all. And um, like you said, no victim, no crime. Why should he have to do the time? And um, in, in, in this case, it's such a waste of resources because I'm having to come from Fresno to Fullerton simply to deal with this. So I'm, lo I'm losing money, personal expenses, but then taxpayers, you know, we're still taxpayers. So as taxpayers, we're having to fund this criminal, um, you know, trial, which is not criminal at all, right. uh, and put people's lives at risk. You have the jurors, you know, who had to put their lives on hold also during a pandemic, risk having to, you know, possibly be infected with the coronavirus simply to deal with this case and clerk officials and the courthouse and um, the district attorney and everyone else, like I said, instead of them using those resources to focus on violent criminals, they're instead focusing on nonviolent crimes and prosecuting those during a time when we um, definitely are faced with bigger a bigger threat. You know, that, that reminds me of something I wanted to ask you. I assume that everyone in the courtroom, the jury, the judge, the your attorney, yourself, the the prosecutor were all wearing face masks. Yes, were they? we were all forced to muzzle ourselves. <laughs> so, so, so listen to this. I mean, that's that in itself. Uh, I think is. I mean, th that's an injustice. How? Because, I mean, if you can't see someone's facial reactions, be it your attorney, you know, giving their opening, closing statement, whatever, yourself, the jury looking at you and being able to assess you, your facial reactions. You can't see that. I mean, how how can you have a trial? I, I mean, you're yeah. having a trial just with everybody faceless. It's, it's well, insane. One of the 
funniest things my attorney pointed out was, you know, um, they asked the witnesses, can you point out Mr. Wildstar? And they pointed at me, you know, <laughs> and, and described to me as, you know, the guy wearing a recall Newsom, recall Gavin Newsom mask. And uh, in the videos, I look completely different. I have long dreadlocks, you know, to go past my shoulders and you can see my face clearly. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there looking like this with half of my face covered. How do they even know that's me? You know, <laughs> so, uh, they aren't even able to confirm my identity other than just saying, yeah, that's him, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's sad, but yeah, even with the courthouse themselves, they were being pushy, being, you know, uh, dicks about it. And uh, I came in there actually with a face shield and he said, you can't come in here with the face shield. you got to wear the face, you know, mask. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, it says face covering outside, you know, and according to Newsom's um, mandates on, you know, masks or whatever, face coverings, it's face coverings. You know, you have people that walk into stores with their arm over their shoulder or they pull up their shirt over their noses and they say that is okay. Uh, but I can't wear this face shield. But yeah, he was saying you must wear a face mask and, and wear both. So, so I can either wear just the face mask or if I wear the face shield, I got to wear the face mask. I'm like, what point does that make? Shit. So, <laughs> yeah, I ended up getting turned around, having an argument with the damn deputy about it before somebody stepped in and gave me one. But it just gives them more reason to, you know, um, flaunt their their powers around and kind of toss around their weight and um, be more uh, authoritarian, you know, be more... Mm -hmm over how we conduct ourselves as human beings. And that not, that should not be the role of government. I mean, if you are okay with that, then you pretty much are embracing the fact that you are okay with statism. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, man. So let's take the last, I don't know, few minutes here and, and shift gears, talk about some other things. I know that You've been very uh, involved in the Recall Gavin Newsom campaign. Can you can you yes. talk about that a little bit? Where it stands? How, how close are you? Is this to actually happening? I mean, do you think it could actually happen? Oh yeah, it's happening. I mean, at this point, we have more than enough signatures to recall or get the recall election going. So, the recall process happens two ways. For those that don't know, first. Uh, we must collect enough signatures through petitioning to have a recall election. And then we schedule a, re a special election where we are, as voters, are asked, do we want to recall the governor? And if so, who do we want to replace him? So uh, at this point, we've collected over 1.8 million signatures. We only need 1.5 before March 17th. And we have over 1.8 million signatures. And... Um, so far, over a million have been verified. So it looks as if we will have the uh, number of signatures needed to have that special election. And over the next few months, again, I'll be campaigning, hitting the pavement hard, doing my best to get the, my name out there as a candidate, introduce myself, and um, hopefully get elected uh, when that special election happens. So people will get to vote yes or no, on if they want to recall Newsom. And uh, if he were to be recalled, who would they vote for? So hopefully that's when people will vote Nicholas Wildstar for governor, you know? Uh, so, so that's interesting. So it's not like they vote, it's not like a, a ballot with Newsom and then Nicholas Wildstar and then whoever else. It would be one question, should the governor, Governor Newsom be recalled? And then after that, if he is, who would you vote for? Is that is that correct? Exactly. Yes. So they pick that's, yes that's, or no. That's cool. And, you know, even if they choose no, they, they don't feel like he should be recalled. You know, if he does get recalled, who would you vote for? Uh, and again, hopefully people will choose me. <laughs> as the so best. how hard is it to get on to be included in those candidates on, on a recall ballot like that? 
Uh, just as it would during the gubernatorial election, the one thing about recall elections is they have a lot of attention. So it kind of turns into a circus where you get a lot of people falling out of the woodworks running for governor. So we've already had billionaires, tech billionaires offer to run for governor and then retract that offer. Um, you've got rhinos and you know establishment politicians that are already throwing their um, their name in the hat. So uh, it's building as far as the attention and people wanting to claim the spot over Newsom. And the Democratic Party, they're going to pour all the money in the world into making sure that Newsom is reelected. Um, so expect that to happen over the next few months. Uh, but on the flip side of that, we do have a revolution happening here in California. The people here are fed up which is why the recall has even happened. And we're looking for better representation. We're sick of the same old, same old. And um, these politicians reflect that. They, we want new leadership. I'm one of the people that, are, that is demanding that. And I'm the only candidate that seems to be representing that breath of fresh air that people are looking for. So, mm-hmm. um, that's what I'm going to continue to do. I mean, even with the recall process, I was out there collecting signatures for uh, the petition and got to speak with thousands of voters, you know, and uh, meet them face to face, give them my card, answer their questions and build a relationship with them to where now I I've uh, I've already now gained favor in their eyes because I'm out there. I've met tons of people that said simply, I'm going to vote for you because you're out here. And, you know, I haven't seen any other candidate out here doing what you're doing. So um, I'm hoping that that uh, sentiment, you know, bleeds over to every other um, voter in the state of California. Yeah, I mean that's it's hard in a state as big as California to uh, you know get around to 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 see enough people. I'm, I'm sure. But, well, yeah, no, I mean the one thing is is you know a lot of people don't participate in the elections. I mean even yeah. with the last gubernatorial election, it was about six million people that showed up total to the polls. We have a population that's over forty million people here in the state. So it's very sad that we have an extremely low voter turnout every election here in the state. Um, And I believe that if somebody out there, some candidate such as myself, were to motivate the masses and get them more enthusiastic about getting involved and um, picking better representation, then that would increase the voter turnout. And... um, with this whole coronavirus thing and mail-in ballots and, you know, us shifting to that sort of a thing, it's also caused a uh, interruption in the process. So there needs to be better accountability when it comes to our electoral process as well. So oh, yeah. um, you have a lot of people that are angry about many things here in California. And if I can get all of those people on my side, then I'll be elected the next governor. So, so what? It, speaking of the people of California, because you know, I, I haven't, I don't live there. My two uh, colleagues here at uh, Lions of Liberty do live in the Los Angeles area, Mark and Brian. Right. But w- would you say that? I mean, would you say people are really upset? I guess it depends on where you are. But I mean, do you think people are sick of? You know, because I know it's different all, all across the country, but I've heard that in California, most kids aren't even in school right now. They're still no. haven't opened the schools. So, like, like wh- what level do you think the, the average Californian is is at on a you know on a level of you know being yeah okay whatever to just totally outraged? Uh, you have more that are tipping towards the totally outraged than the media, mainstream media would have the public belief. I mean, as I said, I'm more of a uh, hands-on type of a person. So I'm actually in the streets talking to people face-to-face, and the majority of them are upset, upset with Gavin Newsom, Nancy Pelosi, the entire democratic government here in the state of California, because we do have a democratic majority majority. Um, and 
we have an extremely overbearing government. I mean, people are seeing how the amount of taxes are raping them from being able to provide for themselves, especially when they're out of work and are unable to provide for themselves because not only is the amount of jobs out there, you know, fleeting, but, you know, they're limited because there certain ones are essential versus other or important versus others when everybody providing for themselves is important. And um, these business owners are extremely upset, especially when they see contradictions like, you know, Gavin Newsom having dinner in restaurants while other restaurants are being fined and shut down for having indoor dining. And he has a winery that's been open this entire time and in a county where uh, everything was locked down. And he even got millions of dollars in taxpayer money that uh, for loans that was meant, meant to go to small businesses. So um, all of this has enraged the people of California. And you've had uh, uh, a great group, uh, a great uh, amount of people actually go out and protest. Um, not only on the left and the right, uh, but people independent going out there protesting against uh, Mayor Garcetti and his lockdowns um, for the city of Los Angeles, going outside of Gavin Newsom's house out in Sacramento, um, just everywhere outside of the state capitol even. So we've been protesting, we've been rallying, we'll continue to do so. And um, hopefully come this re recall election, we'll be able to get him out of office and get me in there. Yeah, well, I sure hope so. So, Nick, this has been uh, good talking with you. And I, I wish you the best. And I hope that I guess I'm so, I'm so jaded just by the whole criminal justice system that I'm, I'm very concerned about what's going to happen. But trying to put positive vibes out there for you. Um, hopefully this this judge you know sees the the ill in their ways if they were to uh give you any time which would just be completely absurd but right before i let you go can you uh just once again let people know the the gofundme your website your uh, uh campaign website all that stuff Yes, thank you for putting that down at the bottom, by the way. That's yeah, no problem. link to the GoFundMe. So if you guys want to help me fight against extortion <laughs> and, uh, you know, prosecution of people that have done nothing wrong, like myself, uh, then please make a stand, get involved uh, with the Free Wild Star campaign. That's what I'm doing. I want to turn this moment in, er, into a movement. And we can do that with action. So please get involved with the Free Wild Star campaign. Share my story. Share my videos. Uh, let people know what's going on out here in California. And if we can change things in California, we'll be able to make an impression for the entire nation. So everyone will be able to benefit from us uh, and our victory. So um, please promote my rally, the Free Wild Star Rally, Friday, March 12th. That's my sentencing hearing. Uh, so definitely stay up to date with what happens, that outcome, because regardless of not whether I'm sent to jail for uh, a year or a month, it would be an extreme injustice. So we definitely need to make a stand and speak out against this. So visit my website, governorwildstar.com backslash free wildstar. If you'd like to find out more, just like right here, governorwildstar.com backslash free wildstar. Uh, I have everything laid out for you as far as, um, you know, the call to action, uh, actionable items, which you can do to get involved. And of course, um, all of the material for you to share. So um, if you want to get involved in my political campaign, since I'm still actively running for governor of California, please visit my website, wildstar2022.com. That's wildstar2022.com. And uh, get involved in my campaign today. And let's bring back liberty to the state of California. All right. Nicholas Wildstar, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure, John. Anytime. Thank you. All right.
Hey friends, what is happening? Just a quick note. I want to talk to you about another great podcast, one that I listen to all the time. It's called Good Morning Liberty. It's hosted by our good friends, Nate and Charlie. These are two guys that, uh, I'll tell you what, they do a great job of sorting through the news and pulling out the most important stuff. They're two guys that they actually work together and they have a a healthcare IT consulting company. So really cool, interesting background for a lot of the things that we're going through today with the pandemic and everything else. But also importantly, I think that they really bring a great way of taking uh, complicated ideas and condensing them down so you can easily communicate them to your friends and persuade them to uh, you know actually agree with you on some topics. So I really want to encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, Go give Good Morning Liberty a listen. Check out Nate and Charlie and uh, tell them that I sent you to listen to Good Morning Liberty. Check it out. Hope you all enjoyed that interview on Finding Freedom, another awesome guest. And hopefully you guys also have subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast and you're getting all three of our unique shows in your uh, little listening device delivered to your ears. Um, If you haven't, please do that. Just go to your app, you know how to do it, and subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. We would prefer if you did it on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere you can on the internet, please leave us a positive comment. Also, the three shows that we have, um, Monday's show with uh, Mark Clare, our flagship program, our longest-running program, and uh, on Wednesday, Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams. Um, Those guys have been killing it, and I am so excited about the direction of Lions of Liberty. Um, We're seeing some awesome numbers right now, and we're going to continue to grow, so it's great stuff. If you want to support us, we would love that too. Please go to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. You can uh, support us for as little as a couple bucks, or if you get in at a higher level, you get merchandise and access to us and All the way up to you can advertise on the show or get to even produce a show. So check it all out, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please consider checking out the Lions of Liberty store where we have some awesome t-shirts. We have a taxation is death t-shirt with an awesome design. We have a wax on tax off t-shirt. And we're always coming up with new ideas and adding new t-shirt designs to the store. Check that out at lionsofliberty.store. And if you're in the pride, you get a discount on anything you buy in the store. So you do both of those things and you win. That's all I got, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.